welcome to episode two of White Noise Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Ginger Snaps, which is a 2000s coming-of-age film about two sisters, Bridget and Ginger, facing the difficulties of first periods, mean girls, stupid boys, and one of them transforming into a werewolf. Classic girly stuff. It's directed by John Fawcett. Ginger Snaps uses the age-old supernatural tale to explore puberty in a hard-to-ignore way, possibly coming closer to examining the horrors all women eventually face in a more relatable way than any of the more mainstream coming-of-age stories that we've seen since. The bonds of sisterhood are tested as Bridget does all she can to help Ginger as she slowly gives in to the changes taking over her body. And I think that is the best description I can give to anybody who hasn't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) And if you haven't, we highly suggest it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think like everything that we're going to talk about in these podcasts, definitely recommend seeing the film beforehand. I think it just goes without saying that it just makes it a lot easier to follow, but also you just don't have to worry about us explaining the plot in detail as we go along because we're most likely not going to do that. And also we wouldn't talk about films that we ourselves don't enjoy. That would be a rarity. And we'd probably recommend seeing almost every single film that we do talk about. Most likely. I think if we ever do a film that we don't like, it will be to tell you not to watch it, but then I feel like that would be counterproductive. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Also, how can you not want to watch a film that has the emo style that Ginger Snaps does? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's really, really prominent that this film came out literally in the year 2000. Like, I said 2000s, but it came out in the first year of the noughties for so many reasons that's relevant it was the turn of the new millennium it was the beginning of the emo culture which is very very highlighted throughout this film (laughs) in every way it possibly could be so liana watched it as she'll explain a lot longer ago than i did i didn't see this film until last night (laughs) (laughs) i I had heard about it before but i hadn't actually seen it Mm -hmm. um and as I was watching it, Liana messaged me saying it is such a Sky film. And I don't know exactly what that says about me, but I couldn't <laughs> agree with her more. <laughs> I think it's just anything that, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Anything that's slightly emo, a bit noughties, kind of got a feminist undertone, anything like that. And it's a Sky movie, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 gives, it gives me, you know, we mentioned this earlier, it if you liked Jennifer's body, you'd probably like this film. Oh yeah, I, that's probably the best way. Yeah, to definitely. It. Throughout throughout this entire thing, I could tell how it influenced Jennifer's body, but oh, also definitely. how it influenced so many subsequent films that kind of came off the same genre. And yeah. I think it's fair enough to say that one of the reasons we've decided to do this film for our second episode is because the first episode was on Raw, and whilst there are quite a lot of differences like you could almost probably watch these films and without really thinking about it maybe think that they don't have any similarities mm-hmm. but ginger snaps are probably the beginning of this kind of coming of age body horror horror has been used as a lens for other issues for decades even like since the genre came around before film but i do think that like ginger snaps is like the penultimate example of that female adolescence and female sexuality similar stuff to Raw, which is why I think it would make a really good double feature. I just think maybe this film, it's, it's very strange, 
but I think people could relate to it more because I think we we had a very in-depth discussion before we started this recording about how we felt it was almost more personal oh definitely was um I think it touched on a lot more intimate subjects than Raw did yes I I I also think that the fact that it I I didn't I don't know the exact budget of raw but like we just looked it up and the budget for ginger snaps was a very small even for the year 2000 4.5 mil so being like Mm. a small emo in the film i feel like of course it was gonna have a more personal touch to it i think it's also important to say that again because of the year that ginger snaps came out it came out around the time of the um Colombian shootings, the school shootings, yeah, which faced the film with a lot of controversy when it came out because obviously, understandably, people didn't want to see teenagers in situations of death or depression or anything like that because of this situation. And I would say that it probably harmed the profit that the film could have made oh no definitely it absolutely bombed it made a fraction of its budget and i I mean it's the sad yeah a lot of stuff that came out around then it was just doomed because of the climate really like obviously Mm -hmm. obviously you have to be sensitive but as we've seen these these films don't seem to have an influence that greatly on the people doing these things if you if you get where I'm going with that, you know, you get that. Mm-hmm. Um, which school shooting was it? They found, um, there was an incident where they found a copy of like Chucky 2. Which one was that? that was, was that a school shooting? I don't remember. I can't that, remember. No. Or it was, um, I think it was the British case with the two boys. I re- I, it wasn't a school shooting. I remember the Jamie Bulger case. That was it. Yeah. Like I think, um, yeah. Yeah. When the Jamie Bulger case happened, um, I would say that a lot of British people would be familiar th- with this. That basically, mm-hmm. in that case, one of the boys involved, it was found that he had a copy of Chucky 2 in his home. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is around the craze of blaming films on violent actions. And mm-hmm. I would say that definitely, yeah, Ginger Snaps was one of those films that fell victim to it long, not long after it was released. Like, literally, it was opened to that climate. So it just suffered. And because of that, it became a cult classic. Definitely. I mean, I feel like, you know, I don't know if this is a controversial opinion or not, but evil people are evil people. It won't take a lot to push people to do these kind of things. So I think things like Chucky is a little bit debatable because as far as I'm aware, it didn't serve any other purpose other than being a horror film. But then again, I am a huge believer in, you know, when people talk about video games being prevalent to violence Mm -hmm. it's like i probably saw more violence in news articles than i ever saw in video games oh definitely but the thing is of ginger snaps is that it it has a message beyond the violence yeah it contains and And then to be fair yeah but then also like i said if you you, uh, we don't want to go too much in comparing raw and ginger snaps even though there are obviously the similarities because we don't want it to basically just be like a partner episode we do want this episode to stand alone but the violence in this film is very different to raw it's not as explicit i feel it's more hinted at there's a lot more um self-restraint when it comes to it but i would also say weirdly that it it kind of revels in it 
more in a way mm-hmm. if you get me because this is very clearly much more of a horror you know it's like a oh. campy horror film like it even opens with a yeah. ton of blood but it's not because it's less grounded in reality it seems less like actually horrific yeah well it's like you just said like it does it literally opens the first scene is with somebody's family dog being mutilated by beast of i can't remember what they call it now (laughs) (laughs) it's the beast the beast of something they do call it but basically it's this animal at this point we know it as terrorizing the town that these people live in and it literally starts with this toddler toddler in a sandbox young boy young boy yeah 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 and a, a mom raking the leaves and she looks over at her son and she notices that he's playing with something. She walks over and he's got blood on his face and it turns out to be their family dog who has been mutilated. <laughs> that sounds like um, the whole film going forward, li- really. It does, though, because and it's it- just the destruction of innocence. Yeah, and I'd also say that that sounds so horrifying when you describe it. But in the film, it's like the Dutch camera angles and like... The- the kind of like lighting used it just all gives you more of a campy vibe like you're going into this knowing that you're not gonna necessarily be like traumatized by it you're here to have a bit of fun as well oh definitely um like there are i will admit there are obviously some very graphic images in it oh yeah for sure it is it is mostly of animals which i will not deny is just as horrific as if it was humans Mm mm-hmm but as far as I'm aware, it doesn't particularly, until maybe the end, show graphic mutilations of human beings. Um, unless you, like, there is, like, obviously the transformation scenes, because, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a werewolf film. But yeah. they're not just, you don't get them, you don't get what we usually associate with werewolf transformation scenes, at least now anyway. You know, like, I'd say the film that really created our modern sense of a transformation scene is, like, an American werewolf in London. We don't... Yeah. Yeah, in this film, to, obviously to keep it campy, you don't necessarily see Ginger in agony as she transforms mm-hmm. because the transformation this, release, yeah. isn't it? the transformation is more internal. Yes. Whereas definitely. American Werewolf in London, I mean, with that film, it was like its its biggest selling point was this that scene, yeah, that see that transformation scene because it was just transcending of its time. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's like Ginger snaps new at this point that people had been desensitized yes. to an extent of people transforming into werewolves to a point where now they're romanticized. Yeah, you know? definitely. So a lot of the transformation that goes on in this film is internal. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I, I think, it, like you said, it, it does begin with the first kind of sequence, montage, like over the opening credits, there's these pictures of both of the sisters, Bridget and Ginger, doing a school project where they take pictures of each other um dying basically oh my god yeah that just says it all really about naughty's emo as well yeah <laughs> you can you can't deny as much as this film did have a message it was trying to punch across it did fall into the gothic emo look we're different oh of course and genre is- which we can both relate to because we were both a part of it let's be honest <laughs> and you also i think you also have to like recognize that that was also its fan base mm-hmm. like this film was written oh, yeah. for those girls that are like i'm not like the other girls kind of thing like the, the 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 main characters they resent the other girls at school you know they are not like other girls and if you 
I don't know. There's just there's something about this film screams. I really just don't want to be mainstream. Like fuck yeah. the mainstream. And sometimes mm-hmm. it is a bit on the nose and it can be like almost a little bit cringy looking back on. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also something to super enjoy when you look back on like naughty's emo. I think like you said though, like as much as it is cringy, you could also put it down to campy. Oh yeah. Like if you it's difficult because like I said the first time I watched this film I went into it with an analytical point of view because I knew we were doing it for the podcast yes so I looked past a lot of that to an extent but I was still able to recognize that it was just you know like there's 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 one point where you know Ginger so Ginger and her sister Bridget made a pact when they were younger that it seems like they would either survive together or they would die together yeah um and Bridget makes a comment of wrists being for women. Oh god, yeah. You know, like the whole idea of suicide is glorified and romanticized, which is definitely is it's very much a Tumblr not... film. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie to you. Back in the day, I saw a lot of gifts and screen sets screen sets, photo sets of this film on Tumblr. Like they loved that. They ate that shit up completely. Yeah. And I can't blame them because I did in about 2012 because I'm old. And I did in 2020. <laughs> exactly. So I can't even <laughs> you imagine. Will just for- yeah, yeah. Like imagine how people liked this film in 2000. It makes me sad that it came out in such circumstances because I reckon it would have actually found a much wider audience. Mm. And it actually upsets me that a lot of people haven't heard of this film because I know I could tell you quite a few people that I know for sure would love this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind I mean, of why we're doing like, this episode. Yeah. The, the 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 first sequence that we were talking about a moment ago about like the pictures that the sisters took, like on the surface does just seem like the glorification of death and the romanticization yeah. of becoming I don't know, becoming something after death. Yes. But when you really look at it to me, a lot of the pictures were taken in domestic situations. Mm-hmm. And because these were two girls that were creating it, it seemed to me like they were mocking the idea of domestic duties that are put upon women, which you do have to remember, especially back, like I said, in the early 2000s, which was only one year away from 1999, (laughs) (laughs) that women were still kind of expected to be like that, or if they decided to step outside of the box, they were seen as radical. Oh, 100%. Like, we tend to forget that I know there's obviously this whole like amazing thing that you forget how long ago something was and it is actually mm-hmm. very easy to forget that two decades ago women were in a very different spot like the the I'd say in the past decade or even less a lot of women have been able to define what being a woman is to them and I don't think they necessarily had that as a luxury of the same degree 20 years ago and I think mm-hmm. that's like a big thing about emo because I think whilst it does have its problems for sure the emo scene tended to be quite welcoming to people that were different and that included women that didn't enjoy conventional you know femininity mm-hmm. and I think that's I why a lot e- of suburban kids loved emo so much yeah well emo broke down I'm not gonna lie I didn't expect this podcast to be on emo but I'll take it <laughs> <laughs> emo broke down a lot of these stereotypical gender norms for men mm-hmm. and women you know for possibly the first time men were mainstream wearing makeup they were Mm. wearing women's clothing they were straightening their hair like as much as you want to make fun of it 
for a lot of people it was a gateway into actually finding who they were later in life because it gave them a chance to express who they felt like they were inside and one of the like as, as much as this film you know it, it, it focuses on uh, you know, female puberty and periods and things like that Liana did make a good point like I said not all women have periods no and there is this breakdown of exactly what it means to be female like why is it as this film portrays do you become a woman when you have your period well yeah when so um, many cis women have their periods at different stages and then some women don't have them at all yeah i find it really interesting that obviously in the film it makes it apparent that ginger is the older of the two sisters we find that out very early on in the film and it's really interesting to me that they go on and on and on about like ginger being a woman now but like nothing about bridget because only when she gets her period that she's considered a woman and that she actually starts to well when you think about it it's suggested that at the beginning of the film when boys start to pay attention to ginger which we'll talk about in a second it's around the time of her she's just about to get her first period it's really interesting to me that it's it kind of buys into this whole assumption that like you know the hormones and like i hate i hate 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 it but you know sometimes there's that horrible term about like men being able to smell it like it's mm. so uncomfortable but that that's definitely played on in this mm-hmm. definitely i think it also like you know what you were just talking about one of the scenes that really highlights this is I, I dubbed it the first hockey scene because there are a couple of scenes, yeah, hockey scenes in this film. <laughs> but the first one is when Ginger and Bridget are smoking together, and one of the boys, or all of the boys actually, are just making comments on the girls. They're making very sexualized, stereotypical comments. And I think whilst this film also is a portrayal of female coming of age and puberty. It's also an interesting portrayal of how men are almost expected to act, to yeah. be the alpha males, which again is very prevalent in wolves and dogs and things like that, the higher ranking. Mm-hmm. Men are almost, in this age at least, again, we do need to remember that this film came out in the 2000s, not that it's an excuse, but it was 20 years ago. Yeah that men are brought up to believe that the only way that they could be seen as the alpha males is if they're demeaning kind of everybody else around them but especially women yeah like they have to like completely own them you know they have to constantly comment on them in every way they could like in this film you see them from the beginning call them freaks but then Mm -hmm. they also call ginger hot it's like they they just can talk about them in any way they want and that makes them a man yeah and it's 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 a weird weird thing to watch now because obviously it still happens in films now but like you said in our conversation earlier in a like coming of age film today someone would comment on the comments yeah yeah someone would definitely they would they would call them out on it they would they would basically say like look dude that's not okay you're like <laughs> fuck you're you saying. dude <laughs> pretty fucking disgusting but mm-hmm. these men are just left to their own devices and they're yeah. almost kind of allowed to make these comments. It's funny because it feels kind of creepy to watch, but then it's also like, wait, actually, that is normal? I guess because mm-hmm. we see it less... I don't know about you, like, I don't really get it. Maybe it's because I'm not a stunner or something, but I don't really get all those weird comments. Maybe I live in a different world to other people. But it's 
it's not as prevalent as it is in movies from the past and that makes me wonder is it that we don't want to show it in media anymore or is it that things are getting better i'd like to believe that it's because things are getting better Mm -hmm. for sure but i also do think that i don't know i'd like i've I don't know if it's that it's shown less in films now because it happens less or if it's that we show it less in films in a in an attempt to make people do it less because you know you go back and you watch things like you know Carrie or anything from like the 70s 60s earlier and the catcalling is really commonplace but for some reason in this film I noticed it more I don't know about you no I I completely agree. Again, I think it's because it's like I said before. I just I I expected somebody to step in and say yeah. something because I knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. But then I do think back to when I was in school, mm-hmm. and I think about the situations I had with boys and the way that I was treated because of them, and I I, I didn't say anything mm-hmm. <laughs> because nobody kind of ever told me that that wasn't the way it was meant to be it's just normalized yeah it's boys being boys yeah so i wonder if it's less to do with the fact that like you said it happens less now mm-hmm. which i would like to think is the case or if it's more to do with the fact that when we were that age during that era we we just didn't question it that is a that to be fair yeah i don't think about it that way maybe i just don't remember it so much because i didn't actively think about it like there's a lot of things later in life I've looked back on and it's not until I've reached this age that I've questioned and realized that it was wrong and it shouldn't have happened well yeah we've been seeing that on Twitter recently like a lot of people coming forward about experiences and I think that if more films showed people speak out about it obviously Mm -hmm. that would help not that Ginger Snaps does let's be real but I, I don't know. I could. I would say that, like watching this film, you can see how far things have come. Thank God. Yeah. Like genuinely, mm-hmm. and that isn't just with like catcalling and all. I just say it's also with feminism because, and just general like understanding of gender. Because we said earlier that this film does make some outdated assumptions about mm-hmm. women, and uh, it's like we said, like not not all women that get periods assess you know and not all cis Mm -hmm. women get periods and although we can't judge the film for that because it did come out in a different era it is important to understand that this film isn't you know a monumental piece of feminist film Mm -hmm. you get me basically this this film uses the idea of periods and compares it to becoming a werewolf which is something that we'll get onto a little later yeah but despite the fact that it uses the idea of periods to start the discussion of bodies changing, it doesn't mean that it completely disregards the fact that at some point everybody's body does change. Yes, exactly. You at one day you do look in the mirror and you realise you're seeing a completely different person, no matter what gender you are. Mm-hmm. You do see a completely different person than what you saw in the first place. I think it's interesting as well that we see Ginger change and like not just into a full-on werewolf but like her physical appearance changes a little bit mm-hmm. like with them you know the silver streaks in her hair which yeah. like 
start to show up. I thought that was quite interesting because it's to other people it could literally just look like hair dye. That's like a normal part mm-hmm. of growing up. Like people experiment with their hair. Like nobody even Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Also, it just looks fucking cool. But it's it like, does look yeah. yeah, like I'm not gonna lie, when I watched it, I was like, I want silver streaks. But anyway, yeah, yeah. basically I found it quite interesting that that's just like another example of ways that she's changing. Mm-hmm. which seem quite insignificant but it's actually something it's a sign of something bigger going on inside of her i think it was important that they used very obvious physical changes to represent what was going on inside of her yeah because we were talking about before that if this film had just been about basically a girl getting her period which obviously neither of us are undermining mm-hmm. but if they had just decided to do that I think people, boys and girls, wouldn't have really thought a lot of it. No, definitely because not. Because it's, it's just, again, we're, we all become desensitised to it. We all just become used to that's a thing that happens to our bodies. But then when it actually happens to you, it feels <laughs> like you're the only person in the entire world that is going through it. We don't all go through it the same way for a lot of reasons, like hormonal reasons, actual medical reasons. And I think this film, intentionally or not, was the beginning of realising that not everybody goes through the same changes, but that doesn't make them weird or abnormal just because they do. You know, if someone doesn't understand the change that you're going through, it doesn't mean, yeah, it it doesn't mean that it's not normal. It's It's just the way that your body is deciding to cope with it or the way that your mind is deciding to cope with it. It's so interesting, isn't it, that it takes a film with such a dramatic transformation to make a comment on something that should be that should just be talked about more openly you know like yeah what, what they literally had to use fucking werewolves to talk about an everyday thing which happens to billions of people across the globe and it's just i just i cannot fathom that it t- it takes something like that to make a film about this like like we said we couldn't think of a film just about peers like there are films that you know that there's mention of them like fuck me Carrie that's probably the most mm-hmm. famous example but that film just used it in an opening whereas in Ginger Snaps it plays a bigger role you get me and mm-hmm. I do love that they use this topic to talk about it but I, I genuinely would be interested in seeing a film that is just about periods mm-hmm. I think with those kind of films like off the top of my head the completely opposite side of the scale stuff like Angus thongs and perfect snogging like (laughs) it takes the opposite route Mm -hmm. of girls going through awkward stages and trying to most of the time it does center around their relationship with boys and for some people this is completely relevant because Mm -hmm. the whole idea of sexual awakening as is explored in this film does come along with puberty no matter which stage or age that you go through it mm-hmm. or begin to go through it because it goes on for a lot longer than people talk about <laughs> oh god yeah um, those kind of films always do center around these girls and how they react around boys but again for some people it's not always the case <laughs> no definitely like we said about raw in our last mm-hmm. episode you don't have to involve men to talk about women. You don't like it's mm-hmm. you don't have to compare to make comment. Obviously in Ginger Snaps there's a lot more male characters. And I actually find it interesting that they they weren't included 
just to play off of women if you get me like, no like, yeah, no I yeah you get what I mean you get what I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like no 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 definitely I mean like I said for myself personally men really haven't been an important point of my life since I was 18 yeah like I'm not saying that they're not an important point of some people's <laughs> lives but for me like they haven't I, I don't particularly have any thoughts or feelings towards them yeah since that age and I think this was interesting because in the same way that Raw does it goes through the idea of sibling relationships again and the idea of relationships um a younger sister and an older sister and the younger sister kind of following in her older sister's footsteps yes and how for a lot of people and again obviously not everybody but for a lot of people that's their kind of first introduction to any kind of relationship outside their parents because your parental relationships and again obviously not for everybody but your parental relationships are something that you almost kind of expect whereas your sibling relationships can change rapidly throughout your lives ginger snaps is a good portrayal of that because it begins with two sisters who have literally made a pact either to survive or die together and i think it's made apparent in the first interaction we have with them that bridget isn't 100 on board with what ginger's saying yeah it's just that she wants she wants to be with her sister and i think again neither of these girls particularly knows what they want out of life so they're following the path that they think they should they look to each other for guidance they're literally they ostracize themselves from everyone in school and i would say Mm. that that is definitely a feeling that you you can get at that age you know the need to to isolate yourselves from other people and i I think what's interesting with this is the fact that it's not just like with a best friend, it is with a sister. Often in films when there's like a close sibling bond, they wouldn't just be each other's sole friend. But in this, obviously with the allusion to like werewolves and packs, they are like a pack, you know, like their bond is unbreakable. They say that, like you said, they say they'll like live together or die together. They're Mm -hmm. so incredibly bonded that each decision either of them makes seems to deeply affect the other and I actually found it really interesting when you think about that as um as a a girl because I would say as a generalization that a lot of girls seem to act and feel more in tandem with their friends like I know like we talk about like you know there's that whole stereotype looking like fucking the hangover like wolf pack for like male groups of friends I actually tend to think of that more like girls you know like your stereotypical thing like do you get what I'm getting at like oh definitely yeah like I think this is um this is this is even like it kind of follows on to the idea that like you said uh, a werewolf American American werewolf in London and teen wolf and all those kind of things you know the wolf man have all predominantly focused in the male Mm. spectrum of things yeah and then this film kind of almost comes out of the blue and you realize it makes so much more sense perfect sense like because people have obviously always linked menstrual cycles and lunar cycles together and then you just watch this film and it's kind of like at no point did i question (laughs) (laughs) but it was more 
as I said, I, I, I know it's probably not the best comparison, but comparing it to Teen Wolf, the film, not the series. Yeah. Obviously, it did make sense, you know, the inherent aggression and the growth of hair and things like that with boys. But then you look at it and you realise the same thing happens to women. Yeah, for sure. It's just because it's such a male inherent trait, mm-hmm. people ignore it and they brush it off. And I think that's so, again, so apparent in this film because, again, they don't do it in the best way. Mm-hmm. But her mom does try to engage a conversation about what's going on with Ginger. And Ginger and her sister both do their best to hide it. Like Ginger literally says to Bridget, I can't go to the hospital after the initial attack because I don't want mum to find out. It's awful because it's like they literally fear the, their periods. It's like, do they fear yeah. what or do they fear being considered the norm? Probably both. And I think... Or bit- just fear, general fear of your body's doing something it's never done before. Oh yeah. And I would also actually say a big part of it is fear of male attention because in multiple points in this mm. film they feel disgusted by male attention you know how like ginger covers up bridget um yeah how bridget points out to ginger that the guys are staring at her i think Mm -hmm. it's really interesting that that's the whole thing and then when ginger realizes that actually this power is great is when she kind of starts to actually come into her own so this film has like multiple viewpoints on embracing your sexuality like it doesn't have this like clear binary about it I think also like what you were just talking about like the one of the most predominant scenes of Ginger seemingly embracing her sexuality is obviously when she walks down the hallway oh iconic and she's wearing yeah and she's wearing clothes that she didn't wear before they show more of her body and like mm-hmm. yes that is empowering and if she feels empowered walking down that hallway then she should mm-hmm. but almost the way I kind of read it Mm-hmm. was that because throughout the film this transformation happening inside her body because it is a werewolf curse <laughs> is against her will but again you can't choose whether or not you start having a period it happens mm-hmm. and once it starts happening you can't stop it yeah so to me it was almost kind of like it's like her hesitation before she walks down the hallway it's almost kind of like adapt or die yeah you know, like she decides that either she embraces this and she takes control of it mm-hmm. or it takes control of her. And it's a very difficult thing that I do think in real life, a lot of women, people as like just in general, but a lot of women do go through when they oh, go through puberty. I would definitely say that because I think that obviously there are many different ways to deal with it, but it's really interesting when you see how different girls take on um, well, how, how different cis girls take on puberty because some will embrace it with open arms, you know, that like they'll happily embrace like their new figure, whereas other girls actually find it very disturbing. And mm-hmm. I think that's really cool in that this film, the sisters basically show the two different options. Mm-hmm. You know, like Bridget is absolutely terrified. Like she's seeing it happen to her older sister and she sees it as something scary. You know, like her walking down the hallway and all. Bridget looks terrified. Like obviously she yeah. knows that it's part of her becoming a werewolf, but you could just read it as someone being terrified seeing someone, you know, become a woman. Like that's supposed to be a scary thing. You know, the idea of women embracing their sexuality and using their body. When, mm-hmm. But for Bridget, but I mean for Ginger, it's just inherently a good thing. Like she's enjoying it, she's enjoying the ride. 
it's Mm -hmm. really cool to see I don't yeah it's just really cool to see that it doesn't have to be one way or the other and I don't think the film super points towards one being better like one viewpoint not really but I do yeah I think I think that you could watch this film and you could just take away from it what you feel like you know like you could you could watch this film and think like fuck yeah female empowerment or you could be someone that's like oh the the dangerous woman like it's just completely up to you you know which obviously the latter is not I don't agree with that one but you know you could go away with that I think it's so interesting as well that like one of the comments that are made about Bridget and Ginger are that they've come into their periods late in life yes which is really weird to me because there is no timestamp on when it happens. And also the fact that even to this day, we are told to believe that you become a woman when you start your period. And that makes no sense to me. It's quite dark. You know, (laughs) like I was 11 and (laughs) I would never view an 11 year old as a, as a grown up, Mm -hmm. as someone who would, experienced everything you were meant to experience by the time you are classed as an adult and it just makes no sense to me kind of how and I think that's why this film is kind of interesting because like you said these sisters represent kind of both ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. and it just kind of shows that because one of the scenes is just after the uh ginger is attacked um she ends up smoking weed in a van with a group of kids and Bridget is literally left on the outside so it starts to show the separation and the severance of the sister's relationship but in that moment Bridget also meets Sam who becomes quote-unquote her love interest for the film mm-hmm. and again to me it just shows that no matter what stage in life you're at whether you've hit puberty in the mainstream sense or not you you know you will kind of end up kind of down similar paths in that way it doesn't take for your body to react to really get there if that makes sense no i get what you're getting at like the idea that the idea that you have to follow a very standardized idea of what becoming a woman is in order to enjoy like empowerment and affection is super outdated and I do think that this film even 20 years ago was aware of that um Mm -hmm. like you said it's like Bridget is not what you know many would consider a is a woman and even this film suggests it because she hasn't had her period yet but it it shows that she is still worthy of affection you know like you have Sam there it's not like an outright love interest thing we might like disagree on that but yeah (laughs) yeah but it's like it I don't know like this yeah this film it it is interesting to see that they they dissect the ways that defining womanhood is not it's just not the right it's not something you should do at all yeah how can you define womanhood like you said like 11 years old getting your period at 11 years old that doesn't make you a woman neither does smoking weed for the first time neither does having sex for the first time like none of those things make you a woman there's Um, no like particular order these things happen in yeah exactly it's it's i don't know it's interesting because neither bridget or ginger is considered above or below the other they're kind of kept Mm -hmm. equal they're kind of equals throughout this even though they're going through things completely differently and I really, I just really like that about it. Mm-hmm. 
it was interesting i agree Mm. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm talking into a dead end there, but I know that, I don't know, some, just something about the idea of like, you know, when you watch um, a teen film today, like a coming of age film, and yeah. there's always like, you get your super girly girls and you get your more like, just, I hate the name, I hate the word birch or tomboy or anything, just because mm-hmm. it's not real, just, you know, you get your more and your less feminine, which itself is a bullshit idea, girls or women. And they're kind of almost like pitted against each other, like still mm-hmm. to this day. I think, oh, it's just, it's exhausting to see. So this is quite refreshing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm trying, to make, <laughs> trying to think. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of where, where to move to next. I know. You know, we apologise. <laughs> this podcast is a little bit messier than the last one. I even said to you before we started this one that I, have felt, I felt like I had messier thoughts about this film. Mm-hmm. you know like if we even said we're like raw would be considered the better film but mm-hmm. i feel like yeah i have much less much less organized thoughts on this because it's a messier film in itself you know like it it okay well in that case then uh at this point we kind of just want to say that before we started talking about this we realized that this was probably going to be a little less structured than our yeah. first podcast on raw because the film itself is quite messy mm-hmm. i suppose you would describe it as and i and i feel like that's kind of where our thoughts went to with it there wasn't a particular sequence or particular themes that we no. were really adamant in bringing up it was yeah. it was almost more like this film initiated more of a discussion than an analysis yes i think that's actually a really good way to put it yeah it was more of like a thought dump wasn't it yeah very Mm. much so like whereas raw you know we did kind of more go into the analysis of it Mm -hmm. and kind of scene by scene and the camera angles and the music and whilst ginger snaps has its moments it is more thought-provoking, not to take away from Raw, because like, we, we both agree that Raw is probably the superior yeah. film, probably just because it was made more recently. I wouldn't it just say that, though. Aware. I'd say the performances are far superior. Let's be real. Like, yeah. <laughs> Ginger yeah. Snaps yeah, is yeah, yeah. a low-budget teen film. So like, as much as we can like analyse it, mm-hmm. can't, like you said, we can't exactly analyse the technical, because there's no technical to analyse. The the strength of Ginger Snaps is solely in its premise. Solely. Yeah. Like, you could just give anyone this premise, really, or the script, and they could essentially make a very similar film. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Raw, not so much. It's like, when I was... When I watched Raw, and I was writing my notes whilst I was watching it, I had quite a lot I wrote about it. And then when I wrote it down, I yeah. thought I had quite a lot written down about it. But then when I did this, and... I watched the film. I didn't particularly write down that much, but I've ended up with a page more of notes <laughs> yeah. than I did with Raw because I, I do. I just feel like it elicits a conversation more than Raw did. I would want to hear people's responses to Raw more than Ginger Snaps, but I know that solely because of the ending. Whereas with Ginger Snaps, I would want to have like a full-on conversation about. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
there were the storyline of ginger snaps is quite basic again it's probably because of the year it came out i don't know if maybe we had watched if we had watched it the year that it came out it would have been something different Mm -hmm. but since then we've seen stuff like raw and jennifer's body that have taken inspiration so Mm -hmm. it's 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 undeniable that it is pinnacle in the in the horror genre because it has inspired and influenced subsequent films since Oh, definitely. Like, even in just certain, like, the la- in certain aspects, like, the language that they use, I would say Diablo Cody definitely picked yeah. up on that. And also certain scenes, like, you know, we're talking about the corridor scene. Um, yeah. This, Jennifer's body, like, come on. There's, that's, oh, yeah. Like, you, you can't not see that comparison, you know, when Jennifer walks mm-hmm. down. And another one is, like, the doctor's scene. That mm-hmm. that Raw has a doctor scene. Yes, it's completely different, but the whole idea of a confused girl going to the doctor and the doctor being fuck all help. That it, it, I think that there's definitely some influence was drawn from Ginger Snaps. Well, you say it's completely different, but one of the things we spoke about during the doctor scene in Raw was the fact that it was probably the first time they drew attention to how these girls were seeing themselves. True. Whereas in Ginger Snaps, there's this nurse who, for all intents and purposes, has good intention. She gives a very clinical explanation <laughs> of what a menstrual cycle is. And then basically her end response is, here's some condoms. <laughs> it's, it's almost like periods begin and end in sex, which <laughs> we all know, or well, some of us know, is not the case. <laughs> Like, there is so much before and after sex that come with it. It's almost like, you can have sex without having a period. I don't understand why the two get linked so much. I think it's very outdated, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yes, You're not having it until your period. Yeah. If if you are um, someone who has a period, you do need to protect yourself if you do not want to have children at this time. Mm-hmm. against things like that but it's like one of the things the nurses says when she hands them the condom she says you now need to protect yourself against pregnancy and stds almost like stds weren't a thing <laughs> before it's like some women don't get their periods until they're generally until they're in their 20s you can still contract st um sorry contract stds before that <laughs> Which is very highlighted in this film by the fact that Ginger yes. passes on the curse to that guy Jason through sex. Exactly. <laughs> I, there's no bite. There's nothing else. They. they yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can. I couldn't tell if it was that this film had you know outdated beliefs or if it was that they were intentionally showing people with outdated beliefs. I do think the latter. Hmm. The whole idea of like STDs, oh my god, it's so interesting to see like how public perception towards them's changed. Mm-hmm. It's even like you can talk about um, it follows. I was just example, about which, to say, yeah, which is a whole <laughs> film based on STDs as a horror, and obviously there are no part of STDs that are, are not a horror. They are mm-hmm. <laughs> there is something that everybody should protect themselves against, um, but it's one of those things where like that's not related to having a period that's not related to being a woman mm-hmm. it's it's about being a human being and be sexually active if you're yes. being sexually active you have a responsibility to yourself and your partner to be safe about it and i just think it was interesting to have this nurse like you said have a i would again like to think very obvious 
ignorance mm-hmm. about the fact that like when when Bridget and Ginger are sat in the room, they're they are talking about Ginger becoming a werewolf because like yeah. they ask her about like hair repairing and things like that, which is a very common comedy trope used in coming of age films, especially within the supernatural about things happening and being misunderstood to be just a normal everyday thing and the nurse is like yeah it's fine don't worry and it's <laughs> like yeah of course it's a natural thing but we're still scared of it we don't understand that our bodies are doing something they've never done before yeah exactly it's like it's like she brushes it off as being a normal thing it's like yes it might be normal but that doesn't mean it's not scary mm. Mm. and that is something that i would like to think i took away from this film and i hope that that's not just me reading into yeah. it but that this film does kind of stand for that like just because something is normal doesn't mean that it still doesn't scare you and it's okay to be scared because being scared that the thing of this film that it does and it's a realistic portrayal but it shows that that fear puts you into silence yes that's and true. you hide it um but then it shows the consequences of that that if you do that mm-hmm it's not going to go away. It's just going to get worse. And also with that silence, you also see things like, and carrying on with like the STD allegory, uh, the mm. guy that Ginger passes it to, he doesn't speak up and look what fucking happens to him. Oh, see, that's a whole other thing I didn't expect in this film. The whole idea that, you know, he, him and Ginger go away to obviously have sex. And mm-hmm. in his mind, that's all that was going to happen. And then Ginger all of a sudden becomes this assertive, aggressive figure. And he actually says the lines, I think it's something along the lines of which of us is the guy? Because all of a sudden she is overpowering him. Mm-hmm. Much like our last one, I, you know, this is a trigger warning for anybody who is affected by hearing or reading anything about sexual assault or stuff like that. But to me, it very much played into the idea of male rape culture oh 100 percent um because we see this thing happen we see her becoming this aggressive figure and you know he he does literally say no stop and she continues doing what she's doing and then the next day he turns up with these wounds on his face and his friends say what happens to you and his instant reaction is to be like oh you know i i got with one of the fitzgerald sisters last night yeah like i got mine Uh, yeah and he doesn't kind of recognize the fact that what happened was against his will well it's well it's also it's also interesting though because is it that he doesn't recognize it or is it that he is trying to bury it you know like it that scene Mm. has a very interesting take on consent because to begin with it seems like he's quite pushy towards ginger you know like he 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 makes lewd comments and stuff like that but then when it actually comes to that scene she's the one being more forward and it's really interesting to see that consent flip because you know whenever we're told about like events such as that like assault it's made out like one person goes in with ill intentions but not necessarily mm-hmm. there can always be oh. a consent flip and i think that's something that's really important to understand i think that scene is a really good example of it yeah i also think it's a good example of at any point where consent is withdrawn yes in assault it doesn't matter if up until the moment you were for it as soon as you say no Mm -hmm. and as soon as you do not want it to happen if it continues it is assault 
exactly you don't have to have a verbal no you know like yeah whenever we're shown scenes where someone tries to stop something like that it's you know there is a verbal no and I think it's poor to try and teach people that Mm. you have to give a verbal no like Mm. obviously there are many cases where you can you know like Mm -hmm. it's it's so fascinating to me that this film manages to cover so many topics it does and again I do wonder if it was all intentional same um but regardless these are kind of some of the things that people do take away from it and Mm. I said this scene in particular like this whole film again much like Raw breaks down gender stereotypes for women but it also breaks down for men as well because everybody is at the same level of vulnerability to an extent you know like just because you're a girl doesn't mean you're obligated to perform a certain way just because you're a guy doesn't mean you're obligated to perform a certain way exactly and that's kind of one of the things that this this film comments on and Mm -hmm. it does that through ginger's slowly descending transformation and i do say descending simply because it is very obvious that she doesn't want this i would say I don't know because she does somewhat imp- it, it's torn isn't it because it shows moments where she does yeah. and moments where she doesn't I think it's just simply because it does boil down at the end of the day and I think one of the reasons I had such an issue with the ending um, was because it very much fell into the horror trope of good versus evil yeah I find, I find like the ending does such a disservice to the whole yeah. of the film like I said to Liana before we started recording that I would have much preferred it if because obviously Bridget became infected if both of the sisters had transformed and then run away together separated mm-hmm. themselves from a society that never truly understood them anyway mm-hmm. and I was very disappointed that it basically became the you know Bridget became the heroine and she destroyed the evil and like it was a little bit of an emotional ending because you know you have to remember she's basically just killed her sister. And I do know that there are two subsequent films after this, but I haven't seen them. I I think we are in agreement. Do not watch. Yeah, yeah. But I did. I just found the ending quite disappointing, considering everything it had it had built up to. Yeah. I think from maybe like the party scene in the greenhouse onwards it started to disappoint me because it started to fall more into the horror tropes, which again, you could argue is a product of its time. And the fact that at the end of the day, unlike Raw, it did set out to be a horror film. And not just that, a teen film. Yeah. Yeah. Like with with Raw, it's about a teenager, but it's it's primary audience isn't teens, you know? Whereas with this, it's very clearly targeted towards teenagers, Mm -hmm. which means that, it's hard because although it wasn't that well received to begin with they probably didn't want to further alienate any audience they might get by doing some kind of crazy out there ending yeah i think they were probably also forced into the idea of good conquering evil in the end because this like like we said at the beginning this film faced so much controversy before it even came out Mm-hmm. because of what it was representing and what it contained that I think they needed to have that okay the quote-unquote evil has been defeated yeah before it can end 
because that is literally the last there's no like it doesn't Bridget doesn't kill Ginger and then there's a funeral for her where she mourns her sister Mm -hmm. there's no aftermath there is just the death of Ginger and it's almost like it kind of goes against what it was trying to say and Ginger becomes this completely animalistic creature that has to be destroyed yeah well I do think they just they just wrote themselves into a corner completely I think yeah they loaded this film with so many themes, which I do love. I love that it tries to do this, but I think it got a bit brave. You know, mm. like it put a bit too much on its plate. So no matter what ending they did, it was going to fall short of giving a proper conclusion to one of those themes. Mm-hmm. But I think somehow they managed to fall short of all of them. <laughs> I think this is one of the things that we kind of spoke about briefly in our first episode that one of the things Raw was able to overcome was the stagnant stereotypical end of horrors where things either end on a very obvious cliffhanger or they have a happy ending resolution. Yeah. And Raw was kind of able to transcend this by giving us an ending we just didn't expect. It's it yeah, it just I I I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's so rare that a horror film just nails it, you know? Like yeah. the only one I can think of other than this, which I truly like than Raw, I mean, that I truly love is The Witch. And it's because you mm-hmm. kind of get that ending where you're like, holy fuck, I didn't even know I wanted this until I saw it. And it's the thing is it is really hard to do that with any film, let alone a horror film. Yeah. So oh, you can't even definitely. blame them. Like, I think we briefly mentioned last time that everybody knows the endings are the hardest thing to write. Yes. Because they are, annoyingly, the last thing that will stay with you. It doesn't matter how good, how phenomenal the film, book, TV series was, if the ending does not match up to the pace that Mm -hmm. was set, that's all you remember. Oh, Sky, just say Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) That is one example. But it is not alone. It is not alone in that. There are a lot of things. To be fair, I can't particularly... Not that every single ending of every media has let me down, but I can't particularly think of anything that's made me kind of be like, wow, I did definitely didn't see that coming eventually everything kind of comes down to a wind down and i think that's what ginger snaps did in the end so i can't again because the year it came out i can't completely tear it down for it because Mm -hmm. i I, at the time i suppose they didn't really know what else they could do true you know like you said they wrote themselves into a wall they literally kind of didn't have a choice with what they were going to do I agree. But the the thing is, what ends up happening is, you know, when you read like a really great article or an essay and they go through all these amazing topics and explore so many things and you're expecting that absolute slammer of a closing Mm. paragraph and it just kind of witters off. That's what this film felt like. Yeah. Like it just felt like, could you not just, like your ending suggestion's brilliant, really. Oh, thank you. Stay tuned for 2021. <laughs> I just, yeah, like I, just, films. I just wish that, I don't know, I wish they'd just gone all in. You know, like they'd already done it. They were making a low budget 
werewolf as a allegory for periods teen horror film why the mm-hmm. fuck did they have to go for such a i don't know a bad ending i it's just I, don't I know. think that was one like one of my main issues with it though it was not just because it was such a generic ending but because the entire film was kind of so out there and it had such a strong message whether you agree or disagree with it yeah it was such a disappointing ending like as literally as soon as bridget turned up at the party at the end I knew what was going to happen and I think even the scene with her and Sam in the closet at the end where he made a comment on the fact that she couldn't do this alone and she was kind of like no fuck you I can Mm -hmm. you know trying to push that idea of her being a heroine was still really expected and it's like to, to a point where through the whole of it I didn't particularly understand why Sam was in it no, there's no not, reason for him to be in it. Not to like take away from the guy, but I really didn't understand. Like at least in Jennifer's body, I can't remember his name, but the male interest in oh, that he's had a, a sweetheart in the end. Yeah. Whereas this guy, literally, his only purpose was figuring out the cure. And to be fair, Bridget could have figured that out on her own, or somebody, because like she literally came across the plant for the cure because of her mum. But don't you love the fact that he was like a dealer as well? Oh, that's so good. It's so like nineties noughties, you know. Oh, <laughs> like, definitely. I think, oh. like I said, one of the one of the themes I wrote down during my notes was like youth culture and the idea that one of the things that got me the most about this film mm. was that it's not a particularly long film. It's probably mm-hmm. your average length, but <laughs> pretty soon after Ginger is attacked, they're all like, "It's werewolves." definitely werewolves no other <laughs> explanation it's werewolves like when you watch films like this they come up with every excuse under the sun um to explain away the things that are happening to a point where like in zombie films sometimes zombies don't even exist for people to not understand what's going on no exactly and it just it just to me again was such a comment on youth culture that one they were all instantly like, this is definitely werewolves. And everyone was like, yep, you're right. <laughs> and two, the way that they discovered the cure was because the guy was a drug dealer. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. The way, yeah, the way he brewed the cure was <laughs> drugs. <laughs> I was just like, fair enough. <laughs> the, idea, the idea that like the popular girl in school wants to smash the dealer. Oh my God. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just breathtaking. It really is. Like, I... <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I just think like it's the most nineties noughties thing in the world. Definitely because I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, like I, I just think it's, it's just so funny to me that like, you know, you like, oh fuck, how are we gonna solve this lycanthropy thing? I know, call the weed guy. Like it's just <laughs> Yes, true. Like he can solve everything. And also, it fed in so much to the ignorancy of adults. Of how they just didn't... Like, even her mum, who was trying to give in... When I say her mum, sorry, I mean um, Bridget and Ginger's mum. The way that she was trying to start conversations with them about um, puberty and sexuality, it wasn't until the... Just before the the Bridget goes into the party to find Ginger that her and her mum are sat in the car... And her mum says it's all her fault. 
And as far as I'm aware, her mum obviously had no idea about the supernatural element of things. Yeah. So I read it as, you know, her mum basically being like, I should have, I should have been more hands on with this. This is why she, you know, Ginger became who she is. And also something that I didn't really even register until I think I was writing about it afterwards. But her mum turns around and she's kind of like, after she finds the body of the girl that neither sister killed, but she just died and they had to cover it up. Their mum's just like, we'll burn the house and we'll run away. (laughs) I I fucking love it because I'm not going to lie. My mum said the same thing to me in the past. (laughs) (laughs) She's turned around and told me that, you know, she's one of their mama bears that will protect, fiercely protect her children. And it was just so interesting to see that in a character who, up until that point, was pretty much your Stepford wife. Yeah, like that 180 is just fabulous, you know? Yeah, and I think it it just shows, again, that, I don't know, I I think to me it just kind of showed that despite era and circumstance, we do all kind of know, and we do all understand, and we have that connection. It's just the way society portrays things that makes us think, that we don't yeah Does that makes sense no i get that i don't i don't know if that sounds too hippy dippy <laughs> i just thought it was really interesting that they had that moment with the mum because also i noticed that their dad has like maybe like one line throughout the whole film i love that to be quite frank with you but it's again it's true i think like one of the only comments he has is when they're talking about periods at the table and he's like stop yeah <laughs> And again, I think it's just a comment on how this kind of talk should be normalised because if if as soon as you like said you bring up period talk, people of again all genders are like, oh no, don't ugh, stop it, disgusting. Why is it disgusting? Yeah, it should it, it's 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 it it just boils down to the fact that so many people get them. So how is it still so taboo? Like obviously we're fighting against it, but we still get period ads where the like blood is blue. Like this is just getting ridiculous now. You know, like, <laughs> like it's ridiculous when you think about having to. I know I've said this a million times already, but it's ridiculous that to talk about it, you have to make a film about fucking werewolves. It's just crazy. And I love the fact, just on a sidebar, that there's so many things in this film, and we just keep coming back to the period allegory because it's so unheard of. It's like you said, to be fair, I can only think of this film in Carrie mm-hmm. <laughs> that had serious... Like, I remember when I watched Carrie for the first time, and I actually watched it with my dad, because he's the one that told me to watch it. And he turned around to me and he said this was basically his introduction into women having periods. No way. And it was just so crazy to think that, and like I said, it should be taught to everybody because it is something that you know like you said cis women go through people who were born with wounds go through Mm -hmm. and you know men find themselves in situations where they are in relationships they'll have to deal with it because of that and they shouldn't feel embarrassed well that's the thing isn't it it's it's not just doing a disservice to people who have periods it's doing a disservice to the people who are close to those people you know because they're not equipped to deal with it or understand it so the more like films like this we can get and you know the one day we eventually get a film about actual periods it Mm -hmm. will just it's it's just great it's to be celebrated really i would hope that it would get to a stage where not that we get a film about periods but we will get a film where it happens, it is dealt with, 
Yeah. And then we kind of move on. Well, yeah, like, it's say like maybe... all these coming-of-age movies, like, yeah. how many are there where they get a period? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we've got Ladybird, we've got Eighth Grade, we've got all this crap. But when when do we see that? I mean, it might happen. If any of our listeners can think of any, I'd actually love to know. Like, genuinely, mm-hmm. please let us know. But it's, Definitely. It, it's kind of upsetting, you know? Like, you, you just don't see it. It's like it's ignored. It's like it doesn't happen. And that means, you know, when you have times where things are really hurting, you don't want to speak up. It's mm-hmm. taboo to even call into work and say, I'm in pain. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I think, as I said, because obviously there are stages, mm-hmm. like, you know, there are people who have endometriosis and polycystic ovaries and all these kind of things that can factor into it, that mm-hmm. go through general, and to be fair, even regular periods without anything else, go through general debilitating pain. Oh, God, yeah. And yet you're expected to continue as if nothing is happening. It's like if somebody was walking around and they were punching you constantly in the gut, you would not be expected to carry on with your daily life. Exactly. Like, it's just, I don't know. I know this, like, podcast has taken a dramatic turn, but I knew it would Mm -hmm. when we talked about this film. But I just want to say to any of our, like, listeners that, you know, go through painful periods that that's not something you need to feel ashamed of like as much as like people mm-hmm. make you feel like you can't talk about it if you've got a painful period fucking tell someone i've got a painful period can i borrow some medication like mm-hmm. it, i i i don't i don't know like you know in this film in ginger snaps that she's walking around clearly different and nobody says anything that's such mm-hmm. a brilliant you know allegory to periods because when you first get it you genuinely feel like everyone knows. Like, even to this day when I'm online, I feel like everybody knows. Like, everybody can tell. And no one can. Like, why is it so taboo that we're even self-conscious about it? Mm -hmm. And, like, one of the most irritating things is if Mm -hmm. somebody draws attention to it. Yes. If, you know, you're particularly irate, or if you're in pain and people are like, oh, know what that means. And again, it's even interesting in Ginger Snaps, where mm-hmm. after Jason has been intimate with Ginger, yeah. goes to school the next day, and one of the things he suffers because of it is his penis starts bleeding. See, I've never even and thought about it in that way. One, but this is it. One of the comments that the, the, his friends make is, oh, you on the rag. It's like, why, <laughs> why is it made into a joke? Like, it's this yeah. thing that it's like, ooh. Like it, it, should be, it should be made more of a casual topic, but not a casual topic yeah. in a way that trivialises it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not even a fine line. It should just be easy. It should be common sense. And it's mm-hmm. not until, you know, we get more films like Ginger Snaps that people are going to just see it for the thing it is, you know, just a part yeah. of nature and life. Honestly, until we actually started recording... Mm-hmm. I thought this podcast was going to be very similar to our first one about Raw. Yeah. But the truth is, this film is predominantly about women getting their periods for the first time. It the really is. That they go through because of it. The more you talk about it, the more you see it, don't you? Like, just it's this true. conversation now, I'm like, oh my god, that. Oh my god, that. You know? Yeah. And I think maybe that's why, weirdly, we kind of had more notes to it. Because it is, it is more relatable than Raw is. 
yeah definitely and uh, you know i want to add a point as well the fact that we were both emo kids yeah that is yeah <laughs> I cannot deny. That's, that's one part of it and i also want to add the whole aspect of her like glowing up you know mm. like i didn't like i wouldn't say i had like a glow up i'd simply say that i i had a very 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 minor ugly duckling situation like i did i i think that a big problem is that people think that when you hit puberty and you get your period and you're in secondary school that you'll magically start to like look amazing but that doesn't happen yeah a lot of people don't become like their full selves like your body constantly changes for the most part people don't look the way they will look for most of their lives until their 20s mm-hmm. and i find it really interesting any kind of ugly duckling story like you have in ginger snaps it's always overnight and i know it's done for yeah. dramatic effect and it does work really well here but it's kind of wish fulfillment yeah you know what i mean and i still buy into those stories and i fucking hate myself for it i think no i, I totally get it because it's like you said these are the kind of films that we were raised on yeah and you know, like if, even myself, I wouldn't actually ever say I went through a physical glow up because, mm. to be fair, I pretty much looked the same from birth, and that's not yeah. even a joke. <laughs> but I would like to think, like I said, I went through kind of like a mental glow yes, up. Yes, like it's not just a physical. in the sense that the yeah, the way that I kind of perceive myself has changed. Yes, yeah, like an attitude adjustment, isn't it? Almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I will admit that kind of growing up in our more progressive generation not completely progressive because obviously we got that there are still moments yeah um but it has helped me to realize that whilst i still have my own personal struggles if i look back on kind of how i was 10 years ago i'm very different from that person you know that person wouldn't be doing this podcast right now she'd be way too terrified to and do you know what i think that change is great it's always great. Like, change and growth is always an amazing thing. And that is one of the reasons why I fucking hate the ending to this film. Because she dies. Yeah. You don't get to see, you know, like, it's like she changes. Who's to say it's for better or worse? And she she dies. Like, she's punished. Yeah. It comes across as her being punished for it, which is yeah. no way to end a film like this. Well, her two options end up being cured or killed. Yeah, it's essentially why... is to embrace herself. And yeah. dies for it, which and so it goes just, against everything else in the film. Like I said, it conforms to the horror genre, mm-hmm. but it totally goes against, to, like I said, well, I say to me, but to us and probably a lot of people that watch this, the entire reason this film was created. Yeah, like it may not have been intentional to have those kind of undertones of the ending, but at the end of the day, that was the consequence of that ending, wasn't it? And yeah, I think I think that yeah with a lot of films people don't pay enough to attention to the ending it can completely yeah. put a different light on it and mm-hmm. as much as i want to love this film and would like like to hail it as a masterpiece it does have problems uh, very much mm. a product of its time and i would say its major problem is its ending yeah i honestly couldn't agree more i was just i just as i remember i was watching it and i was so so invested in it until maybe the last 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then it just I didn't even have to watch it I knew what how it was gonna end mm-hmm. and I haven't particularly read anything on it beyond 
it's what I've written myself. Like I don't know if yeah. there was an intention beyond it just being a general horror ending. Mm-hmm. But to me, it did not work. No. For the message that the film was portraying, it did not work. Mm-hmm. Like even Jennifer's body mm-hmm. had a ending that made more sense. It's just, yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't know, I wish I could like go shake the creators of this film and be like, you're already making something crazy you know like we said just fucking go for it so that we can say in this podcast this is a masterpiece go watch it yeah. change your worldview. i but, mean still definitely go watch it just be very conscious that the ending <laughs> yeah i mean Almost... like, not being funny if people have gotten to this point in the podcast surely they should have watched the film yeah i mean to be fair like we said in the last one any of the films that we discuss obviously highly recommend watching them beforehand but if for some reason you decide to watch it afterwards just know that this is still a film worth watching yes definitely don't be particularly expectant for the ending because it just isn't it isn't anything special yeah it really isn't it's very stereotypical for the genre Mm -hmm. um and again, I would probably imagine un- consciously or unconsciously they were pigeonholed into this kind of ending because they had to have a good versus evil. Yeah, most likely. For it to kind of get away with a lot of the stuff that it did for the time. Which sucks for the film because I think it could, I think with, you know, a dramatic ending like Raw had, it could actually have a bigger following, you know, and yeah. be seen by more people. Like, I feel like I'm hailing this film as, like, a masterpiece or something. I'm not. I'm just saying that it is... It's it's something that I actually think I really appreciate now that I've watched it again. And it's something that I wish I had taken more notice of when I watched it when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely recommend this specifically to teenagers. Oh, definitely. I, w- I wish I had watched it when I was younger. Yeah, definitely. I, d- I didn't watch it till literally last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Well, slightly, Anna said I wouldn't hail it as a masterpiece. I think this podcast has even proven that it, it does elicit a conversation. Oh, God, yeah. A conversation. It's, it's a conversation that people think they're having, but they're not. I Yeah, I can kind of get that. Like, a lot of... I don't know. I think a lot of things aren't daring. Or mm. not as daring as they like to think. I think this film had almost the opposite problem. Like, it was actually, in some ways, more provocative than they probably even realised, and that's why the ending falls flat as well. Like we said, it talks about so many topics, and that might not even be intentional. Mm-hmm. Which I think kind of works in its favour, because, I don't know, you can smell it a mile away when a film's too intentional, and I actually think that's a problem with our era now, is that, like, diversity is very important, and I'm always for it, but I'm not for forced diversity done for diversity's sake which is empty and hollow and devoid of meaning i'd Mm. take something like this which accidentally has themes to it any day i think that's why sometimes even reading into stuff is a a little bit better and interesting because it just kind of shows the movement of generations yeah that like you said you you can show this film to one generation and think oh it's a film about werewolves mm-hmm. and then show it to another and think oh it's a film about puberty yeah 
<laughs> you know? I know. I just, I kind of want to show it to like a teenager now, you know, like the TikTok kids mm-hmm. and see what they would think of it. Personally, I think <laughs> the they'd TikTok eat kids. Yeah, man. I think, I think they would eat it up. Like, I really do. I don't know if they give us the time of day. <laughs> no, they definitely would. They love this shit. You know, those ones that like post those like film recommendation TikToks and it's, they're like aesthetic films from the noughties that you should watch. And it's like the most obvious films. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I hate it. Like, good. I for mean, th- I'm not. I'm not on TikTok, so I literally have no idea. <laughs> oh, get with the times, Sky. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're so old. Oh, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 like so now that like it sounds like we're wrapping up. I want to add another like near the you know almost final point, and that's yeah. that. It's really interesting having the realization last night that I'm not necessarily the target audience for this film anymore no i know <laughs> very weird feeling it's actually the discussion we were having before we started recording that like we appreciate that you know we are still young we are early 20s but almost by society standpoint we're done with <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're at an age where our lives should be settled <laughs> i completely get that and do you know what i want more films for people our age because have you ever yeah. like we can talk about this like in depth another time but mm-hmm. it, it, coming of age films are always like you know this like a teen film or they're about someone yeah. in their 30s who's struggling it's like why isn't there one about people in their mid-20s it's like i'm still coming of age and i probably yeah. will be in 50 exactly like, I'm not saying you have to have a coming-of-age film for, like, every year of life, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems to I, be, like, a forgotten-about era, and it's a very weird era because everyone's... I know, obviously, at any time of life, people are at different stages, but this one feels particularly extreme. Like, a lot of people are, say, like, living at home. Others yeah. are, like, having kids. Others have mortgages. It's very bizarre. I do think there is a huge gap in the market for 20 to twenty. 26 27 i can yeah i completely agree because you are right it is that kind of weird stage where like you just said we have friends who have kids we have friends who are married we have friends who are actually weirdly divorced oh, <laughs> like and yet there are us and there's nothing wrong with it but there's us who are still literally trying to figure out what we, where we're even going exactly um i think that's why we'll get there i think it's why we still take solace in films like this though like i mean our first two episodes of this podcast have been on teen films or at least Mm -hmm. teen focused films to be fair i remember i can't remember who said it now but i read something ages ago about somebody who said that they didn't figure out how to be a teenager until they were in their 20s yeah literally and i do feel like that's kind of what it is yes and that's why like i said we do still kind of hold on to films like this because until something comes along to fill it mm-hmm. i don't feel like i said i feel closer to these films than i do to films like you said about being in your 30s yes i don't even know how to um how to even begin looking for a film that would be targeted towards our age and i think that's mm-hmm. why i stick to the safe comfort of teen films but mm-hmm yeah you can only do it for so long and there's only so many aspects of life you can tell through the allegory of high school oh definitely it's just i don't know i just i i want films about our our stage of life that aren't noah bombach films or bombach however you say it like i can only watch francis ha so many times you know i need yeah i i need something more but until then we have ginger snaps we do 
and yeah like i said this and this episode ended up being very different to how i thought it was going to be but i think sometimes it's going to be like that because there are just films that in themselves aren't particularly structured there's definitely some stuff that we kind of missed over or didn't get to cover but the same thing can be said for when we reviewed raw which is why i think it'd be really interesting to hear from you guys yeah like we yeah everything sky said really (laughs) (laughs) you know we would we would like to start a discourse between ourselves and our audience yes you know because these these podcasts will not encompass everything that we think who we are so we would really like to kind of connect with our audience yeah um, for sure through social medias and having you know your opinion your input um and being as much a part of this as we are because the whole reason that we started this thing was because we just wanted to start a conversation yeah we want an open discourse about these kind of films and we said this in the first episode like we would like to be introduced to new stuff too we don't just have to talk Mm -hmm. about stuff we're already aware of so if you have yeah if you have recommendations please let us know like you can contact us through the official like white noise twitter instagram accounts if i make an instagram account um you can do it through either of our personal twitter accounts i would just love to hear more recommendations because lately it feels that everyone's watching the same a24 films so i yeah i would love some fresh options definitely Mm. (laughs) (laughs) well i suppose we will be wrapping this one up here i'll just end this one by saying that whilst it is not a perfectly mm, problematic free film i would recommend ginger snaps because it delves into a lot of topics it is a genuinely fun film to watch and if you have anything better to suggest i'd love to hear about it definitely (laughs) i think it's one of those things where like like you said it's not unproblematic you know it was part of the rise in emo culture which we all know was not unproblematic in any sense oh god um but it addressed a lot of issues that people weren't talking about kind of like emo culture did yeah so it is worth watching just don't take everything it says to heart yeah definitely i yeah just like with any other teen film really just like take it for what it is enjoy it and i don't know we might have a more i don't know heavy film in our next episode we shall see but for now yeah just watch a teen film about werewolves and tell us what you think pretty much see you soon (laughs) bye